Eve this Tuesday, the 31st day of the month of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word cuts away all that is contrary to your will. Grant us the gift of obedience. Your word descends from above to restore a fallen world. Transform us by the power of the cross, regardless of the cost. Your word enslaves the enslavers, sin and death. Give us the courage to accept the gift of freedom. Your word brings joy to the sorrowful. Teach us compassion toward every human need. O God, you sent your word to conquer all the powers of sin and death. Make us true to your word, that our praise and our lives might give you delight. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start your All Hallows Eve. Tomorrow's All Saints Day. But as you know, some people tend to celebrate the Eve of All Saints much, much, much more than they celebrate All Saints Day, which would be weird. It'd be like celebrating Christmas Eve, but like completely ignoring Christmas. But that's what the culture does. However, it's not what we do as Catholics. Tomorrow's the big day. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis has our cameras up and running. You can view the video feed in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo continues our series on his book, God Who Questions. We'll check in with Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. Stephen Gray Donis has some Halloween viewing recommendations as well, including some films that are on the Vatican film list. If you didn't know, that's an actual thing. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israel says it is expanding its ground operation in Gaza. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. More than 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. Over the weekend, talks between the two sides to free some of the more than 200 hostages held by Hamas reportedly stalled. Israeli officials have said a female soldier that had been kidnapped by Hamas during the October 7th attack had been freed during Israel's ground operation in Gaza on Monday. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Virgin Mary as calls for humanitarian aid and a ceasefire intensify. From Vatican Radio, Sister Nina Benedict of Kropich reports. Celebrating Mass in the Marian Shrine of Adir Arafat, the Patriarch consecrated the Church, all humanity, the peoples of the Middle East, and especially the people of the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the Consecration Act, he invoked Mary's help amid the war gripping the Holy Land. He prayed that she might watch over those who suffer, flee from bombardments, or have lost family members in the war. We now knock on the door of your heart, he prayed. We are your beloved children. We are confident that in the most troubled moments of our history, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. Patriarch Pizzapalla prayed the Blessed Mother to guide world leaders and those who decide the destiny of nations so that they might decide according to justice and truth and work for the common good. We have run out of the wine of hope. 
Joy has fled. Fraternity has faded, he said. We have forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of peace. How greatly we need your maternal help. I'm Sister Nina Benedicta Kropic. The Vatican Secretary for Relations with States has spoken with the Foreign Minister of Iran. The Holy See released a statement saying Archbishop Paul Gallagher's Archbishop Paul Gallagher, quote, expressed the Holy See's serious concern about what is happening in Israel and Palestine, reiterating the absolute necessity to avoid escalating the conflict and to achieve a two-state solution for a stable and lasting peace in the Middle East, end quote. United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. Mark Mayfield reports. The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Philadelphia 76ers are making a blockbuster trade with the Clippers. ESPN reporting Philadelphia is sending 10-time NBA All-Star James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philippe Petrusev to Los Angeles in exchange for Marcus Morris Sr., Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Kenyon Martin Jr., multiple draft picks, and a pick swap. Harden notably notably requested a trade in the offseason after publicly clashing with the 76ers president. And the Rangers are now just two wins away from their first ever World Series title. They defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 3-1 to in Game 3 of the World Series in Phoenix yesterday. The teams meet up again for Game 4 tonight in Phoenix. It'll be exciting. I got to see how... Uh... How late the game starts. You know, those 8 p.m. starts are kind of rough. Yeah. When you got to get up in the morning. Yeah. Can't can't do much when one of, team uh, watching is of the Monday night football or the baseball. Central time zone. And Arizona's weird. They have they don't even participate in daylight savings time. I should I shouldn't say. Weird, I kind of don't want probably. to either. Yeah, I don't want to either. I think is it this this. I think it's weekend? this weekend. I think it's this weekend. Yeah. You know, on a Monday night, the only thing I can stay up for is maybe like an hour. If it starts mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Namely, the journey home on EWTN television you, and radio. I Last night, Kevin Schinkel on. You should go check out his episode. Nice. He's a good dude. Nice. What's that website, Matt? Oh, well, there are many, but chnetwork.org. Where C-H-Network. you can find all the, all the episodes, including all the Anna episodes. Mitchell. I just uh, reposted on our Coming Home Network social media an episode I did of Coming Home Network Presents with a couple of former fundamentalist Baptists who, mm-hmm. like me, were not allowed to celebrate Halloween mm-hmm. and all the nuances of how we came to discover this uh, whole All Saints Day, All Souls Day, the whole bit of it when we yeah. became Catholic. By the way, today the, what, 506th anniversary of the 95 Theses? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. It's All Hallows' Eve, Tuesday, October the 31st. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's seven past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast. And we're going through his book, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. 
So today we are going to be reflecting on the question from Jesus, why do you call me good? And uh, this taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, which I will read right now. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but God alone. You know the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. At that, at that saying, his countenance fell. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus asks, why do you call me good? But he doesn't wait for the man to respond. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, I think the whole response is interesting. It, yeah. it, on first on first reading, on first glance, it seems like, man, this is just kind of a rude encounter, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this guy comes up, he asks a question that matters. He comes to the right person to ask it. And the response that he gets, this question, why do you call me good, seems, seems at first blanche, uh, dismissive of his intent. And like we find so often with the responses of Jesus, just moves the whole encounter onto a different plane. So as you rightly note, he does respond with a question, but then doesn't even let the man answer. He goes and he recites the commandments. But... If we're paying attention, we notice he doesn't recite all the commandments. Yeah, He recites only the commandments that we would say are on the second tablet, the commandments about love of neighbor. And right before that, he says, no one is good but God alone. As mm -hmm. it turns out, this entire encounter is about God alone. But that's not quite, it seems, what the young man was looking for. Right. So what do you think then is the link because he you know the the young man says you know teacher or the rich man says teacher all these i have observed from my youth and then jesus tells him to lack one thing go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me do you think there's a link between this idea of selling all your possessions and giving them to the poor and loving God, the other part of the commandments that he doesn't mention right away? That indeed is what I think this entire encounter is about. It's mm -hmm. about the love of God, even though Jesus recites the commandments about love of neighbor. We might think of all people, Jesus should know all the commandments, and yet he doesn't name the ones about love of God. But what is absolutely at the foundation of this encounter is that all throughout the Old Testament, as written right through all of Jewish wisdom, is that the acts of almsgiving, that is giving to the poor, are counted and reckoned as an act of fidelity to God. And we might think that almsgiving stays on the level of love of neighbor. You're giving it to another person, you're seeing their need and responding to it. But what occurs all throughout the Old Testament, what Jesus here is putting into play, is the fact that giving alms to those who cannot pay you back, investing in them, is actually an investment in the security that God provides because you yourself as the alms giver are relying on God to count that as given to him 
and to pay you back. In fact, in Proverbs, it says that quite freely, and elsewhere it does as well, that the one who gives to the poor, God will put himself in the place of the debtor. In other words, he will take the debt upon himself. And at the end of this encounter, Jesus says, you know, go give your possessions to the the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. The treasures in heaven are those which God reckons. It's God's repayment that's at play here. Well, the interesting how you say this, because I'm thinking of the church fathers who often when when talking about the the, uh, you know, the three practices during Lent, for instance, mm-hmm. prayer, fasting and almsgiving, except many of them said prayer, fasting and mercy. And mm. and so I feel like there's this this dual nature to to almsgiving, because as, as you were just mentioning, God will take on the debt himself. But um, to give mercy in in the way that the, the church fathers are talking about, like to be mm. able to to equate mercy and almsgiving, that is Jesus being the giver as well. Mm. Yeah. And mercy is charity turned towards suffering. So God is charity. God is the one who is the font and the source of all charity. But when it's in response to our suffering, our need, our sin, our poverty, that charity takes the nature of mercy. It is charity turned towards suffering. And so for us who exercise mercy, what we must do is recognize the real suffering of another and respond to it in some way, in, in, in a sense, actually in reality, to align ourselves with that suffering, to, to share in it in some way by doing something about it. And so the almsgiving here is an act of mercy. It is a way of recognizing what is lacking in the other and doing something about it concretely, directly, for the sake of the other. Well, and then isn't that sort of taking on our nature is being made in the image and after the likeness of God, does that make us good then by being, Uh, by taking on that nature? Yeah, quite nice. I love that. We become, we grow into the likeness of God. We're made in God's image for his likeness and we become more conformed, we can say, to God's way of being and God's way of loving when we engage in the almsgiving, the mercy dealing that is commanded here. This young man, let's remember, came forward and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it seems at first like Jesus almost dismisses him, dismisses him with a question, why do you call me good? But in the end, Jesus will tell him, this is how to inherit eternal life. This is what true goodness is. It's not contained within the boundaries that you have set in this exchange beforehand. It's actually to go beyond your boundaries, to divest yourself of your own possessions and to give those to the poor who are in need of them so that you and they may be made one together. That's eternal life. It's communion more than anything else. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. The book is called A God Who Questions from our Sunday visitor, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Don't forget to uh, click that subscribe button so you can get all the info in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. Now let's take a look at weather across the nation. Lots of kiddos wondering what the weather is going to be like this evening. Well, a potent cold front will slowly ease south across the eastern U.S. for Halloween. This will mainly bring rain showers to the far southern plains, central Gulf Coast, southeast and southern mid-Atlantic throughout the day. However, there could be some lingering rain and mountain snow showers in the northeast 
this morning and early this afternoon. The northern plains and upper Mississippi Valley into the Great Lakes, Midwest, and Ohio Valley could see some light to moderate snow showers today. The western U.S. and majority of the central and southern plains will get dry weather, but it will be chilly or possibly bitterly cold air in place for most of those areas. So you're going to be wearing a coat tonight over your costume. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Saints Alive is a radio theater podcast for kids that tells the story of the saints filled with adventure, heroism, virtue, and humor. You can hear Saints Alive as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land again to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And meanwhile, the Biden administration says it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime. And the United Auto Workers strike appears to be over news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. So it is all Hallow's Eve and uh, lots of kids could be dressed up doing candy. Lots of people preparing tomorrow for All Saints Day mm-hmm. processions. So yep. I would love to know what people are dressing up for for those All Saints Day processions because yeah. people can get real creative. Yeah, I, I got, got a co-worker from the Coming Home Network who I saw uh, on her Facebook page. She was putting together uh, a Mother Teresa sorry for oh, cool. her daughter. Yeah. And uh, I got she was lamenting, you know, that she took for granted when her mother used to hand sew all of her costumes because now it's coming back. <laughs> now it's coming back on her. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I've got some work to do. Um, so actually, Roma wanted to dress up 
tonight as St. Joan of Arc. So all the okay. kids are going as various knights. Um, so, so you know what Roma Roma's should do? actually going to be St. Therese going I, That's what I was going to say. She should go as St. Therese going yeah. as Joan of Arc. She's got a dress that she's going to wear with, um, well, I did sew something that vaguely remembers, vaguely resembles armor for each of the children. But Tommy, uh, tomorrow, as a kindergartner, is leading the All Saints procession, Eucharistic procession at school, and he has chosen St. Thomas. Oh, nice. um, And has insisted that St. Thomas wears only brown, so I got to find something brown, but he wants his finger to be red. Oh, because of the, uh, I get it. Finger in the side of Jesus. Good, clever stuff. Yeah, that was Tommy's idea. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit here on earth. This includes cremated remains, which is the body in a different form. The prayerful, peaceful atmosphere of the consecrated grounds of Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery reflect respect for those laid to rest there and for their loved ones. Be prepared and give the gift of peace of mind to your family. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this All Hallows Eve, as we were saying, coming out of that, going into the break. If you've got uh, cool Halloween uh, costume ideas that actually work better as All Saints Day procession ideas, I kind of want to know what they are. I'm curious about them. Uh, I love creative saint costume ideas. They're a blast. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. Marlon, how are you? Good. How are you, Matt? Go Bucks. Are you wearing uh, Ohio State Buckeye football uniform for your Halloween costume today? You know, I won't, I won't go that far. I'll just I'll just go as good old dad. About good that. old dad. You're dressed up as a dad. So, I'm, uh, I'm going to be dad today. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Walkman's not a dad, but he's still wearing Crocs with socks, I'm sure, this morning. There you go. All right. So you've written at knowingisdoing.org about a new hermeneutic of faith. All right. Mm-hmm. So... 
what are you kind of like getting at here? Sure, it's a good, good point. I think you know, in the in the annals of, of church history, we, we've seen uh, attempts to somehow misinterpret or reinterpret what what Christ has handed on, and so we see this. From time to time, century to century, uh, a person with a novel idea, well, Christ didn't really mean that. Or, you know what, I don't believe that Christ is completely or genuinely present in the Holy Eucharist. Or things of that nature that have, that have popped up um, over the centuries. And the, the church in her goodness always tries to clarify those misconceptions or the fact that uh, sin is, is not a death sentence per se or that God is actually more accepting of our sins than anything else. And so there's always a nuance there. That we encounter with uh, with certain individuals, or just a, a misinterpretation of teaching, and so, uh, and this unfortunately still happens to this very day. You, you'll encounter someone who will say, "You know what? Well, that's not really what the church teaches. Um, the church is accepting of everyone." It's like, well, true. The church welcomes everyone, but if you want to proclaim Christ crucified, if you want to say that you are truly a faithful, baptized Catholic, there are certain elements that are required for you to follow. There are certain requirements for you to say yes to. That's why we have a creed. That's why we have a profession of faith. It means, amen, I believe. And so when you look at those facets and you say to yourself, all right, if I want to follow Christ, then he's laid a groundwork for me for my salvation. And so my personal preferences or my my my, my personal isms or ideologies, you have to look at those and say, well, are, are those exactly what Christ laid for me? Is that what he's done? And if they're not, then you have to ask yourself, is that what I should follow or hang my head on? And typically it's not, but we, we always have those uh, elements in the church that say, you know, well, maybe this way is much better. Maybe we can change some element of church teaching just to accommodate um, our personal preferences today. So that's really what the, the hermeneutic of faith or the new hermeneutic of faith or new interpretation really is uh, defined as. Well, it's easy to, you know, stand back at a distance and say, and this is what the culture is doing right now. Well, of course, that, that's that's all good and well. I'm not concerned about the soul of the culture. I'm concerned about my soul, Marlon. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know where I'm doing this, <laughs> right? Correct. Because the uh, uncomfortable truth is that all of us read through the catechism find something that makes us squirm or that we're like, ah, this is probably not more, this is probably not as important as some of those other things, you know, that are in here. I can move on from here and focus on the stuff that I'm good at, right? Correct. I think we all want to take that approach, uh, whether that's in regard to morality, whether it's in regard to Catholic social teaching, whether it's in regard to like the really uncomfortable stuff that Jesus and the catechism both say about the murderous nature of gossip. Like we all want to take a look mm-hmm. at the rules and say, well, but you, do you... We don't have to do that part, really, right? I mean, Correct. we all want to take a look like that. Correct. We have this tendency. I mean, this is consistent. Even when I when I was a high school principal and religion teacher, the kids would tell me, "How far can I go before the church defines it as a sin, or is it really a sin, or what can I do to to somehow get away with this?" And you know, the, the church doesn't really mean that, does it? And I mean, the, the, this happens from the very onset of our of our early stages of life, we try to find a, a deviation or, or an alternative to what the church really prescribes. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing that we, we deal with this on a daily basis. And, and we're trying to tell anyone who will listen, is it look, look my, my intention is to tell you the truth, not because I'm judging you, because I, I want your salvation. I desire for you to be at home with our Lord in heaven one day. And there is a path to that. And that path means uh, a redemptive path 
uh, aspect. It's a carrying of the cross. It's embracing the suffering that he endured for our sanctity and salvation that we in turn are to carry that forth as well. Uh, that's the ultimate aim because heaven is, is far greater than any capacity of our human existence here on earth. And so uh, th- this is, should be the, the message that we espouse every day. Well, and you think too about the way that Christ escalates some of these laws that were already uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just thinking mm. back to the readings from this past week that were pretty rough, right? Uh, don't yeah, wrong aliens because you are aliens in the land of Egypt. If you wrong mm. a widow or orphan and they cry out, I'm going to hear them, and I'm going to come right. and get you, right? If you extort mm. the uh, awful situation that a poor person is in, then I'm going to come after you. Well, it's one thing to just be like, oh, well, let's not step across that line. But then in the gospel on Sunday, we heard something significantly Mm. more challenging than that, which is Jesus said, uh, love God with all your heart, but love your neighbor as yourself. Not only are you not supposed to cause harm to people (laughs) in delicate situations, you've got to love them. Like, this is another level of stuff that, again, we can talk our way around, right? We can say, well, you know, whatever. But, you know, this is a challenge that we've got to reckon with if we're going to be Christians. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, that that's the, uh, the the pinnacle of it is uh, heaven for, for everyone. And if we can do that, then uh, we're, we're on the right track. Yeah. And that includes, as you were just saying, um, not excusing or explaining away the parts of this whole message that you know maybe we're not good at or maybe you don't want to reckon with. So, Marlon, if our listeners want to find you, we've got knowingisdoing.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks as always. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Matt. Go Bucks. And you can find Marlon uh, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And in the show notes, you can even find the video link to today's show. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. It'll be back to work soon for United Auto Workers members. This after the union reached a tentative deal yesterday with GM that puts an end to the strike that began More than six weeks ago, GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW had reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The Biden administration has says it has said it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas as Israel is carrying out operations against them. He said U.S. officials are working with Israeli counterparts to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza. This coming as the Israeli prime minister has said a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for Israel. Mark Mayfield has more. Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. The White House says they're taking action to combat an alarming rise in reported anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses following the outbreak of the war between Israel and Hamas. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the Departments of Justice and Homeland Security are partnering with campus and local law enforcement to address any threats. This coming as amid rising tensions on college campuses across the U.S. as the conflict in the Middle East continues.
The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vatican News reports the representatives from more than 65 countries gathered in Malta over the weekend to talk about this plan for peace. Russia had not been invited. Cardinal Pietro Perelin sent a video message to the meeting saying, quote, It is a commendable effort, one worthy of support, not only because it is aimed at offering a concrete response to various types of damage caused by the war, but also because it encourages us not to consider armed confrontation as an unavoidable tool for resolving conflicts, end quote. Pope Francis yesterday met with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, and he praised their courage. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. Addressing the group of 50 women accompanied by Don Luigi Ciotti, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement, reminding them that they are not alone in their struggles. He recalled that among Jesus' disciples, there were also some women who, like men, were not perfect. They were women tested by life, sometimes infected by evil, and Jesus welcomed them with compassion and tenderness, said the Pope. With him, they walked the path of liberation. Pope Francis therefore advised the group to always keep a small gospel with them and imagine being with the Lord Jesus among the disciples. In realtà è proprio così. Lui cammina con noi ogni giorno nella strada della vita. Indeed, the Pope said, this is exactly what happens. He walks with us every day on the road of life. His cross gives meaning to our crosses, and his resurrection is a source of hope. Concluding, Pope Francis said he accompanies them with his prayers for them and their loved ones, especially their children. Don Luigi Ciotti founded Libera in 1995. The organization includes associations, unions and churches who have joined in an effort to challenge the power of corruption and organized crime while promoting social justice and human rights. I am Lisa Zingarini. And the FDA is warning consumers not to use over-the-counter eye drop products from several major brands, saying there could be a risk of eye infections that lead to vision loss or even blindness. The, bland, the brands include CVS Health, Rite Aid, Target Up and Up, Velocity Pharma, Leader, and Rugby. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45202. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. 
It's 24 minutes before the hour on this All Hallows' Eve, Tuesday, October the 31st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be rather chilly for the trick-or-treaters tonight. Right now, it's rather cold with temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy and breezy today with some evening flurries possible and a high of 45 degrees. Tonight, cold and windy under mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 27. It'll be mostly clear tomorrow with a high of 47. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny with increasing clouds and a chance of snow by this evening, a high of 45. Mostly cloudy with snow tonight and an overnight low of 26. A few clouds tomorrow and a high around 43 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Very, very bad options out there. But luckily, Deacon Stephen Gray Donis is going to talk about some Halloween fare for grown-ups and for kids and perhaps some of the moral ideas that we can pull out of those films. Deacon Stephen, how are you? Doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm uh, grateful to you that you've never uh, tried to review any Saw movies on this radio show. <laughs> we won't go into that. But what we will go into is some films that uh, people might be interested in watching and whether or not you have positively reviewed these films because you haven't reviewed all of them positively you could at least look at them and say i can learn something about life from watching this film so uh you've split these up into grown-up and family films and you've started here with the witch tell us about it so the witch is possibly my favorite horror movie of all time it's a deeply troubling story um the first time film from a filmmaker named Robert Eggers, and it's an immersion into the nightmares of Puritan settlers in America. Uh, it's the story about how the forces of darkness take apart a family, uh, despite their faith in God and their efforts to invoke God's help through prayer. And that troubled me a great deal until I realized that part of the point of the story is that the family has abandoned the plantation out of spiritual pride, out of the father's conviction that he's the only one one in town who preaches the true gospel. So there's a schism there that reflects the schism of the, the Puritans coming over from England and, and the Anglican schism, and, and ultimately going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So I ultimately see it as a very Christian story in spite of uh, the triumph of evil in the end. Yeah, so you trying to do all the spiritual work yourself is a bad idea if you're going to face the entire forces of evil. That's just generally speaking a good uh, principle to follow. So... Um, now you've reviewed Midnight Mass, and you had a very you had very mixed feelings about it. Um, but uh, tell us about maybe a lesson that you took away from watching that Netflix uh, limited series. It's it's uh, my my response to it is mixed. Overall, I like Midnight Mass more than I don't. But one of the things that I didn't talk about in my review, which I think is really important, is kind of the opposite lesson from The Witch, where The Witch is kind of about the, the spiritual dangers of lone rangerism. Midnight Mass is about the pathologies that can spread and do great harm within a religious community. Uh, and this is something certainly that many of us have become very aware of in recent years, how 
the norms of a community and the expectations can get people to go along with things that they should never go along with and how that can do great harm, the spiritual abuse that can, uh, that can be normalized within a community of faith. This is something that's portrayed with great psychological realism and insight in Midnight Mass. All right. How about the Babadook? So the Babadook is the story of a single mother uh, trying to take care of her son and dealing with some really sinister goings-on that ultimately turn out to be less demonic or supernatural than really psychological. It's ultimately a story about mental illness and about trying to strike a balance in your life um, and, and learning to manage it rather than ultimately banish it. That's the most interesting thing to me about the Babadook is that it ends on what you could call a happy note, but there's still an element of darkness because mental illness is something that you can learn to manage, but you never completely defeat it. All right. So uh, as we're going through uh, movies that maybe people are interested in watching this Halloween that uh, might have a moral lesson to take away from them, finally, for grownups, you've uh, put on the list, let the right one in. Yeah, these are all movies for grown-ups. These are all dark and sometimes very violent and bloody movies. And Let the Right One In, like The Witch, was a movie that disturbed me until I figured it out. It's a story of a seeming friendship between a boy and uh, what seems to be a young girl is actually a, a young-looking vampire. And the element of darkness doesn't come out until you realize what's really going on here. This isn't a friendship. This young vampire who has a, an older human familiar that is outliving its, his usefulness is grooming a replacement. So she finds a boy who has angry, violent emotions, who's a loner, who's outcast, and, and she turns him into someone who will ultimately be willing to kill for her for the rest of his life. And, and this really reflects the reality that violent and angry emotions can make someone vulnerable to, to radicalization, to um, um, seducing them to, to go down much darker paths than if they, ha if they were surrounded by healthy community. Yeah, this is uh, how the church talks about the wounds of concupiscence being exploited by the tempter, right, in uh, catechism starting around paragraphs 380 or so. So family viewing, uh, kids' movies that might be popping up this Halloween, and lessons that can be taken from those start with Over the Garden Wall. This is a delightful 10-part mini-series of little 10-minute shorts. Uh, it's been around since 2014, but from my family, we discovered it this year, and we just loved it. It's the story of two young brothers who are alone in the unknown, uh, trying to find their way home. And I don't want to say much more than that uh, to avoid uh, spoiling it, but I will say that it's ultimately about the deceptiveness of evil and the importance of hope and open-mindedness in the face of the strangeness of the world. Really, really delightful uh, series, Over the Garden Wall. All right. You got some Neil Gaiman on here, too. Uh, Coraline, which is just a, is a stone-cold classic, a film that I love so much. We watch it every year uh, at this time. And it's about many things. It's about pride. It's about imagination. But ultimately, it's about learning to find satisfaction in life as it is and the potentially destructive power of dissatisfaction and brooding over the things in life that aren't what you want them to be. All right. Now, of course, uh, this is the ultimate transition piece movie for this weekend, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, what do you take away from that one? 
Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline, both from director Henry Selleck, by the way. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is a less mature work than Coraline, uh, but it's, it's a really fun musical. And to me, this is a movie about how to everything there is a season, and specifically for every mood, that there's a place in our life for the joys of Christmas and also a place for enjoying the spookiness of Halloween. It all fits together. Now, the last one you don't have a lesson for, but it's the one that we watch every year in my house. In our year, it, it alternates with The Nightmare Before Christmas. But before I mention that, I just want to throw out one other film that we, we watched last night, uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx. Uh, this, is a, this is a great film for, um, uh, for older kids and up, I would say. Uh, I watched it with, with our 12-year-old and up, and, and we all had, had a blast watching it. Uh, Vampires in the Bronx, this is a story about community loyalty and vampirism in, in the story is a, is a metaphor for gentrification. Uh, but the movie you're talking about is, which I just love so much, is Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit. This is a kind of love letter to classic Hollywood horror movies and also to great comedy. And when I sat down to say, what moral lesson can I eke out of this? I mean, I, I'm not going to deny that I had a couple of thoughts, but at the end of the day, yeah, you know uh, what? I, I think I would just, it's just a it great would just be movie. it would just be a reach. It's just a I have no movie. idea. All right, you want my two very quickly as we're winding up. All right, let's hear them. So, since every year I see a ton of people show up at my door dressed as Heath Ledger's Joker, I'm going to go The Dark Knight. The devil wants a lot of things, but mostly he wants chaos. However, mm. because we're made in the image of God, even the most compromised among us is capable of using our free will to act morally. That's that. My sure. kids one is Monsters, Inc. We should all probably shift our philosophy from we scare because we care to it's laughter <laughs> we're after. And as they say in Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, life's no fun without a good scare. That's our job, but we're not mean. Uh, scariness doesn't have to be malicious. There you have it. There you have it. Decentfilms.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Deacon Stephen. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. Happy Halloween. All right. And, of course, this all leads up to All Saints Day tomorrow. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 14 till. For more than 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Komboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at Kombonimissionaries.org. That is Kombonimissionaries.org. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. 
Carry the faith wherever you go. Watch your favorite EWTN show, series, or special, or listen to your favorite EWTN radio program at any time, day or night. EWTN On Demand brings all your favorites instantly. Download the EWTN app at EWTNapps.com today. This is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The United Auto Workers has reached a tentative deal with GM, which basically puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And it is, among other things, it's the Eve of All Saints. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're a couple days out from All Souls Day. Yep. And that is why today uh, is also sort of a bit of a heartbreaking anniversary, as you alluded to earlier. It is Reformation Day, mm-hmm. um, Halloween. You talk about stuff that's scary. Yeah. You know, dressing up as the 95 Theses is nightmare material. Yep. Uh, but uh, I did want to put something out here, um, that there's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception about what it is that Luther did on October 31st. 1517. And I'm going to read like a little something that I saw on Twitter this week. And I'm not going to tell you who it's from. Oh, I can't wait. But it's very helpful to kind of knock down some of the myths. So this person writes on Twitter, Luther did not go boldly up to a pristine church door, attract a crowd and nail the manifesto of the Reformation on the door. That just didn't happen. In all probability, nobody was there or even observed it. There were lots of notices on the door. It was the community bulletin board. The 95 Theses were written by a Roman Catholic monk. They did not contain anything that others had not said and thought before him. There were many who were scandalized by the sale of indulgences, and for good reason. Luther was a professor at a new university. The Theses were an invitation to other universities to engage Wittenberg in debate, the equivalent at the time of a football game. This is not to diminish the importance of the topic, of course, but to place it in a context. Luther had no intentions of starting anything other than a debate, period. And that, within the conf- and that within the confines of the established Roman church. He was not looking to get himself excommunicated, I can assure you. But the conditions were right, the fuel was at hand, and the match was lit. So when you see all the paintings of Luther boldly pointing to the theses on the door, hammer in hand with a crowd in awe, it's bunk. But what did happen was just as surely a key step in a process begun long before Luther with Wycliffe, Huss, the Renaissance, and more. End quote. Does that help set some of the myths mm-hmm. and legends? Certainly. Aside. I mean, glorifying the, the glorification of Luther by some. The legend sure. has sort of grown in the telling. For sure. But that's not to say that, I mean, there's a reason that history points to this day. And I think he sort of, I think the, the, the got, real reason it got attention because he mailed it. So he he mailed it rather than nailed it. 
He got more and more radical as things went on and people took advantage of that. And it became a political fight as much or even more so than it was a religious fight. And it spread like wildfire. All of it. Yes. So do you, you don't, you're not even a little bit curious as to, to who posted that on Twitter? Of course I'm curious as to who posted that on Twitter. Um, That would be from the Twitter feed of James White, uh, a Protestant apologist known for his very anti-Catholic sentiments. Interesting. So what was his point? Oh, his point was What did he say beyond that? Did he have any more in that thread? Oh, that he said some other stuff that was probably not theologically accurate. (laughs) Uh, Nor was it a theologically accurate portrayal of Catholics. But it's interesting to note that even an anti-Catholic apologist who has shared the debate stage with all kinds of Catholic Answers people, mm-hmm. you know, and debates over justification and sola scriptura and faith alone and that sort of thing. Um, even he recognizes that this is sort of a legend blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, you'll you'll see some of this today on the Twitters. Well, gosh, especially. actually, if it's coming from a, pro- a Protestant apologist, it's probably mm-hmm. because when you read the 95 Theses, I remember the first time I read those and I was like... They're very boring. This doesn't i mean it's not 95 complaints about the catholic church on 95 different right, issues it's exactly. 95 sort of nuanced things related to the selling of indulgences it's a thrilling i'm <laughs> thrilling <laughs> so it's not the you know it's not this yeah exactly here's the 95 things i don't like about the church no. i've read uh or I've the read 95 blog posts things that are, that are wrong about the church no um that's not that's not what it is the 95 mm-hmm. theses. But you will see, and and I, I noticed it especially on neo-Calvinist Twitter, I've already seen the Happy Reformation Day, like, mm-hmm. you know, spike on the football stuff. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, like, there is nothing – I don't care whether, which side of the debate you fall down on, whether you are someone who is part of the Catholic Church or whether you are part of that original schism, you know, mm-hmm. off the Lutheran family tree or maybe on the Calvinist tree, which is closer to that – or one of those churches that popped up last week. Like, wherever you are on this question, happy is not the word to apply to Reformation Day. Yeah. In John 17, Jesus prays, among other things, that his followers be one, not just because he doesn't like fighting, but because he and the Father are one. And that's how Jesus puts it, right? Yeah. May they be one just as you and I are one. And this is a heartbreaking reality. It'd be like celebrating the anniversary of a divorce and throwing a big old party and eating cake and saying, hey, isn't it great that this divorce happened? No, it's horrible, right? Mm -hmm. Happy is not the word to apply to Reformation Day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just looking at when in my – I reference this so often now, my Catholic political thought course. Of course. And um, the first – Uh, reading that we had for this particular semester was from Martin Luther, his disputation against scholastic theology, Mm -hmm. which I think is much more um, effective, if you will, in terms of of creating this schism with the church. I'm trying to find it. I mean, it's listed almost like the, the 95 theses, except there are 97 in this one. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, philosophically you're like, what in the world is he saying? But there's one in here. I'm trying to find it, and I can't um, as I continue to scroll through. But he basically says that one should view excommunication as like a badge of honor. Mm. And no, you should not. 
and there are a few things that he says in there that um, that really became, I think, um, the fuel for for the the overall Protestant revolt. That this wasn't just something. This wasn't just a you know, kind of a grumpy monk who came and went and you know, whatever. Um, his disputations against scholastic theology, I think, and of course, scholastic theology is something that Thomas Aquinas would be, you know, one of the main proponents of, and something that has come back very. He'd be a good version, but there are plenty of bad versions. Oh, uh, well, of course. So, anyway, that, I think, is what what really fueled the flame. Yeah. Going across well, at the same Europe. time, in uh, Catechism, paragraph 818. Uh, the church reminds us we can't charge with the sin of the separation of Luther and the Reformation. Those who are present are born into Protestant families, living lives loving Jesus, having no idea that they, what the Catholic Church is or, mm-hmm. or, or what the arguments are for that. So uh, we got a lot of work to do, yes, we do to reach out in love to reunify the body of Christ. Amen. Back with another full hour after this, it's Three Till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Damian O'Connor will talk about a new video from the Knights of Columbus on the Catholic family. Father Nathan Cromley will discuss the upcoming Catholic Women's Conference in Cincinnati. I'll explain how holiness increases our humanity. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kowarski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and 
and pregnancy help, babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. I'm Deacon Joe Grody from St. Michael's in Sharonville. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Tuesday, the 31st of October. Uh, let's begin together, uh, since there's a lot of this stuff going around, let's begin with a portion of the breastplate of St. Patrick. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the Creator of creation. I summon today his power between me and those evils against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Amen. Normally pray that one on St. Patrick's Day. Anna Mitchell, did you realize it would be that appropriate for Halloween? St. Patrick? Yeah. Well, of course, Halloween is an old Celtic pagan festival, right? That's where its origins are. No, not quite. No? Not quite. Not quite. We'll get into that as the morning continues. It is the Sunrise Morning Show, in case you were wondering what we what we are here. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis is running the cameras. You can watch the video feed in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Frank Donio will discuss ministry and uh, what we mean by ministry. Father Rob Jack uh, will discuss the illuminative way of prayer. Steve Ray will join us for the luminous mysteries. He's been discussing the mysteries of the rosary with us and with all saints day tomorrow chris mcgregor is going to look at a selection from the office of readings from saint bernard of clairvaux about all the saints so stay with us if you can two minutes past news a service of central fabricators and centralfabricators.com here's anna mitchell Good morning. The Prime Minister of Israel has said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for his country. Speaking to the nation yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu added he is committed to bringing hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas has purposefully put civilians in harm's way. His speech comes as Israeli forces have expanded air, sea and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend reconsecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
From Vatican Radio, Sister Nina Benedicta Kropich reports. Celebrating Mass in the Marian Shrine of Adir Rafat, the Patriarch consecrated the Church, all humanity, the peoples of the Middle East, and especially the people of the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the Consecration Act, he invoked Mary's help amid the war gripping the Holy Land. He prayed that she might watch over those who suffer, flee from bombardments, or have lost family members in the war. We now knock on the door of your heart, he prayed. We are your beloved children. We are confident that in the most troubled moments of our history, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. Patriarch Pizzapalla prayed the Blessed Mother to guide world leaders and those who decide the destiny of nations so that they might decide according to justice and truth and work for the common good. We have run out of the wine of hope. Joy has fled. Fraternity has faded, he said. We have forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of peace. How greatly we need your maternal help. I'm Sister Nina Benedicta Kropic. The Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States has spoken with the Foreign Minister of Iran. The Holy See released a statement saying Archbishop Paul Gallagher, quote, expressed the Holy See's serious concern about what is happening in Israel and Palestine, reiterating the absolute necessity to avoid escalating the conflict and to achieve a two-state solution for a stable and lasting peace in the Middle East, end quote. The United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. Mark Mayfield reports. The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield. The FDA is warning consumers not to use over-the-counter eyedrop products from several major brands. The agency said there could be a risk of eye infections that could lead to vision loss or even blindness. Brands include CVS Health, Rite Aid, Target Up and Up, Velocity Pharma, Leader and Rugby. The FDA said investigators found unsanitary conditions in the manufacturing facility and positive bacterial test results from environmental sampling for critical drug production areas in the facility. And the Rangers are just two wins away now from a first-ever World Series title. Texas defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 3-1 to in Game 3 of the World Series in Phoenix. The teams meet up again for Game 4 tonight in Phoenix. And of course, Matt, you'll be all hopped up on sugar, so you're going to stay up late and watch the game. We'll no see. Probably not. I don't stay up no. late for anything these days. I get you. You know, I mean, same here. It is, uh, you know, as, as Deacon Stephen and I were talking, you know, I might stay up to watch a little bit of Curse of the Were Rabbit with yep. Wallace and Gromit. Totally what we will be watching. It's a fun one. Yep. It's a fun one. The kids were watching like a sing along version of The Nightmare Before Christmas last night. Oh. Well, there so, you go. This there you is go. Halloween. This is Halloween. Of course. I mean, I don't really do Halloween that big. It's eh, not that. You know. Um, I really do. I mean, All Saints Day is a great day for so many reasons. Liturgically, 
uh, and regarding the communion of saints, all of it, but it's also a great day to go shopping for leftover Halloween candy. At oh like yeah, fifty percent off. Fifty percent off. Because the only thing, the only difference between the uh, the Reese's that's fifty percent off and the Reese's that's full price is the bat on the bag. Yep. It's the only difference. Yep. Or the pumpkin. Or the pumpkin. Pumpkin. What'd you carve in your pumpkin this year? Uh, the Hylian Shield from Legend of Zelda. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds neat. Very, Well, you very just neat. need to play more Tears of the Kingdom animatronic. I guess. I'll tell you what. Well, yeah, today, Tuesday, October the 31st, it is All Hallows' Eve. And as Matt was saying, the more important day to remember is tomorrow, All Saints' Day, which is a holy day of obligation. So do not stay up too late that you're not waking up early enough to go to Mass or at least make plans during your lunch hour or tomorrow evening, check your local parish and get that plan in place so that you are ready to celebrate the solemnity of all saints tomorrow. It's eight past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And last week we were together, you were telling us about what the church means by apostolate. And of course, you run the Catholic Apostolate Center. Uh, can you just give us a, a quick definition as a refresher to start off this conversation? I think the important thing to keep in mind with apostolate has to do with the the baptized, the confirmed, uh, that when we have received baptism, we are then become part of the mission of Christ and his church. And so going forth and doing apostolate is living our faith through our words, through our deeds, in everyday life, wherever we may find ourselves. Some of that also manifests itself in organizations that are called apostolates. Interestingly enough, Catholic Apostolate Center is a ministry Mm -hmm. of the Palatine Fathers and Brothers. The name Catholic Apostolate comes from what St. Vincent Pallotti created, whom we talked about before, in 1835, a group of lay people, religious, and clergy who were then called to go forth and be apostles. That's where the connection is, that sending forth as apostles. Okay, and you mentioned that the Catholic Apostolate Center is a ministry, and that's what we are going to be talking about uh, for the bulk of our time together here is is ministry. What differentiates ministry from an apostolate? Ministry is always done on behalf of the church. There are no freelance ministers in the Catholic Church. In some of the other Christian communities, there are people who decide one day that they're going to go forth and do ministry in the name of Christ. And, on, and seemingly on behalf of the Church. But really, in, in Catholicism, all ministry is done, that's done on behalf of the Church in whatever way, deacons, priests, bishops, lay people, uh, the work of religious, anything that's done on behalf of the Church it, and is sanctioned by the Church, it can have the name of ministry. The individual is doing ministry, or the other is, and now the ministry of the ordained is distinct from that which is named for laity, because that derives from baptism, but is again on behalf of the church, whereas the other is holy orders and the sacrament of holy orders. And so that there is a qualitative difference between 
that particular ministry of deacons, priests, and bishops, and the ministry of uh, of the uh, of a layperson doing pastoral work, for example, in the church. Can you give us some examples of what would be? I think most people understand that a priest is ministering because he's. I mean, to use kind of. Uh, I don't know, crass terms. The priest is employed by the church in a way. Um, so how does it work for for others who are, are not priests, um, you know, working on behalf of, of their diocese or their parish? So, for example, people who are uh, – the, the bishops of the United States have defined this as a, a group of lay ecclesial – what they call lay ecclesial ministers – so people who have leadership roles within parishes, this is not the only type of lay ministry. The people who are involved in liturgical ministries or various ministries of the parish, they may have a role. But the pastor oversees all of that, and it's done on behalf of the parish. With other ministries, lay ecclesial ministries, they include the uh, director or coordinator of religious education, uh, the uh, a, a youth or an, or youth and young adult minister, a uh, a person who is involved in liturgical or music ministry, but again in the leadership role, uh, pastoral what people who are called pastoral associates. Interestingly enough, the school principal, uh, a Catholic school principal, is considered a lay ecclesial minister by the bishops of the United sure. States because they are they are responsible for not only the faith formation of the students, but also of the faculty and the staff administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Father, why does this distinction between apostolate and ministry even matter to the Church? It matters because there, there are those who are doing certain things on behalf, and the purpose of, of that is to assist others to be able to be formed, to go forth as apostles or missionary disciples, to, to, be, to do apostolate. That's the piece that sometimes has been missing. Mm-hmm. It isn't about all the stuff, simply the, all the stuff that happens at the parish, which some people get very focused on, and then that almost privatizes things. No, instead, everyone is called to go forth. So the people who are doing this full-time or part-time within the parish community, their focus needs to be on their other brothers and sisters to prepare them to go forth. And so, really, that's the, that's the goal, is to, to go forth and to proclaim Christ by word and by deed. Does that mean that ministry is better or greater than apostolate? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is, is that it's done, it's done on behalf of the Church for the people. So you, you won't be able to have your liturgical life, you wouldn't be able to have, uh, in particular the ministry of priests, you wouldn't be able to, to have uh, the, the overall sacramental life, faith formation, and so forth, unless this, was, unless this was appropriately organized by the Church. And also, you, you also be, we have to be careful of people who just go off on their own and say, I'm speaking this way on behalf of the Church. And there are people who do apostolate particularly those who may have a number go off and do a lot of speaking and so forth, people start to believe that they're official teachers of the church. They're not. 
they're they're not doing this on purely on behalf of the church. They're doing it because they feel called by the Holy Spirit to do that, and they, it's permitted to do that. The Second Vatican Council certainly gave that that sanction, if you will. But we have to recognize that 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 is not um, that that does not then equal that of the church's pastors or um, or in the way in which we're we're functioning in the way in which you prepare people to go forth. Um, so that's different than the parish or various other Catholic ministries, schools, uh, Catholic charities, these types of things that exist um, that are meant to, to serve, um, serve not only Catholics, particularly Catholic charities, but they're meant to serve all. Yeah, thank you so much, Father Frank Donio. You can find the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. A potent cold front will slowly ease south across the eastern U.S. on this All Hallows Eve. This will mainly bring rain showers to the far southern plains, central Gulf Coast, southeast, and southern mid-Atlantic throughout today. There could be some lingering rain and mountain snow showers in the northeast this morning and early this afternoon. The northern plains and upper Mississippi Valley into the Great Lakes, Midwest, and Ohio Valley might see some light to moderate snow showers this evening. The western U.S. and a majority of the central and southern plains will get dry weather, but chilly to bitterly cold air will be in place for most of those areas. We got headlines coming up next here on the Sunrise Morning Show, coming up on 17 past. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. <laughs> Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. 
19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Prime Minister of Israel is saying a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed his support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by the president of Ukraine. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And while you were talking to Father Donio, uh, I was trying right. to figure out. I got my got my pumpkin out and... Travis, you got to do a full screen on Matt here yeah, so everybody can uh, see the pumpkin. You can see the pumpkin. It's the Hylian shield. It's like a Zelda thing. But um, I've been doing this technique over the years, past few years, with some, like a shading technique where uh-huh. you don't like cut all the way through the pumpkin you just cut back like the orange part oh, of it. Oh sure, so yeah. Will was doing some of that like a translucent thing going mm-hmm. on. Um and the first year that I did that, uh, I did it with uh sort of like the text of the one ring from Lord of the Rings all the mm-hmm. way around the pumpkin and it turned out really cool so I've been wow. doing it ever since. That sounds really intense. It was very intense. Yeah. But I mostly the most intense part of it was making sure that I got the elven language on the ring accurate to what it actually said on the ring so i wasn't doing just like random elvish symbols around because mm-hmm. some lord of the rings nerd would come after me and be like that's not what that that's says you misspelled what... it so i gotta be careful about these kinds of things i have no doubt that somebody the... would have I'd be like dude you you spelled was... ring wrong will was doing elvish. that all the kids carved their own pump well minus agnes agnes did not carve her own pumpkin we do not give her knives but like Freddie basically just did one big hole. On Why not? The pumpkin. Tommy has like a Cyclops pumpkin. Sounds Will like did Freddy some does shading. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Current events remind us that life can change without warning. The team at Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery is available to assist you in planning for the inevitable. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit. This includes cremated remains. Give the gift of peace of mind to your family and be assured that your faithful intentions are secured. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and hoting.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality, diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 
at brosartpharmacy.com. Father Rob Jack now joining us. He's host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, which you hear, uh, if you listen to Sacred Heart Radio, you hear on the drive home, quite obviously. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So let's talk about the illuminative way of of prayer. Uh, this is something that uh, is part of like a three-step process uh, that some of our listeners are familiar with, but the illuminative way, what do we mean by that? What comes before it? And... You know, how does it pro- progress you in the spiritual life? Well, one of the great paths of it, of course, we have really three steps in our prayer, which is what we call the purgative way, in which we look at the, the obstacles that are in our life, that oftentimes either our sins or our inability to really focus on God, they put up roadblocks. And if we really want to draw closer to God, he, God has no roadblocks to us, but we got a whole lot of them to Him. And what we do in the purgative way is we see what those are. Now, in the process of doing that, we also, though, must begin this part of what we call mental prayer. You know, vocal prayer is very easy. That's just talking to God. And everyone does that every day, I hope. But beyond that, there's another type of prayer, which is meditative prayer, or what we call mental prayer. There's a lot of names for it, but they all mean about the same time thing. And what they focus on, again, is listening to God and speaking to God, which is, of course, something that's a very unique uh, Christian, really Judeo-Christian practice. So with this question of meditation and, you know, mental prayer and all these things, I think because, you know, if I go to the grocery store and I'm going down the, uh, the checkout line and I see like three magazines about like fall recipes and about two magazines about mindfulness, right? Like, (laughs) obviously, the Christian take on these things is a little bit different than what I'm seeing on the magazine rack. Oh, oh, it is very much so. Oftentimes, the the goal in meditative prayer uh, and the contemporary view is is really kind of a form of navel-gazing, of thinking about us. But meditation, and it isolates pretty much with us, whereas in meditation, we see we're looking for God. And so in part of that looking for God, we go through uh, first of all, we need time. This is something that we. This is something that is focused work meditation, and the, it could be focused on something going on in our life, some event that happened. What is God trying to tell me through this? But many of the times, it happens through, of course, taking a passage from sacred scripture, and especially I always like to use the Gospels because here Jesus is actually speaking. So if he says, for instance, uh, I demand that you take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, what does that mean? So we take that scripture passage, and then after that's the first part, we take it, we concentrate on that passage, and then we go to the second part, which is we consider, okay, what what are my crosses here, and what does it mean to say this is a cross? Is it a challenge? Is it a burden? What is that? And we spend time with that in prayer, and then we move from thinking about that, so, okay, God, this is what's going on. What what cross are you talking about? Are you talking about the fact that I use bad language and I shouldn't be using that and I need to focus on something else? And we talk, we, we sort through that in our head. And then we go, the final part of, of meditative prayer really is gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for taking time to talk to with me today and, and uh, for me to listen to you and then make a decision. See, meditative prayer always has a goal at the end, and the goal is, of course, how can we be closer to God? 
you know, in vocal prayer, as I'm driving through, as I'm driving through downtown, and God gives me a green light instead of red, I say, "Thank you, Lord, for this green light." Okay, that's not meditation. That's just gratitude. <laughs> I'll make it on time. But but meditative prayer is really a personal conversation with God, in which God speaks. I listen, in which uh, I listen, and God speaks. So what's interesting, Father, is that in my evangelical background, we were. 100% against meditation. We, we thought that's like what the Buddhists and the New Agers do. But it turns out that the way that you're describing it is exactly how I was taught to pray in my evangelical Christian background, right? This is exactly how we were supposed to approach prayer. But at the same time, I mean, it can be a challenge for some Catholics who are just like, oh, it's time to pray. All right, well, let's recite, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z thing. Now, there's a, a place for memorized and written prayers, but there ought to be a place also for these sort of just opening up your heart to God and having that conversation. We're meant to kind of have access to both to grow our prayer lives, aren't we? Oh, it is. It really, you see, this is when we talk about prayer, of course, we, we use the different titles. One of us is vocal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. And what we see, the goal for us is to learn to be still to God. And so vocal prayer is the starting off of the conversation, talking to the Lord and stuff. And we move from that then to just not using just from talking to actually now, okay, Lord, what what are you trying to say to me? And so in that, you, you take about 15 minutes and you get yourself as calm down as you could. Then you start working things through. I prefer to do it in front of the boss, you know, the blessed sacrament and say, okay, Lord, we you have my undivided attention. Uh, you know, I know I have yours. That's never the problem. The question is, do he, does he have mine? And then to spend that time every day listening and talking and having a good talk about it. I said, Lord, this is really annoying. You started me on this. Why is this not working so well? And am I going on it the right way? And then I used, I said a scripture passage. And then from there, we move forward. But the goal of meditative prayer is always to make another step along the way. We need a goal. We need a, well, an intention at the end of that prayer. I've learned something today, and I'm going to put that into practice in my behavior with others and with God and with myself. Well, thanks so much, Father Rob Jack. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, please do consider putting your email address in there and subscribing. You can get the show notes delivered to your inbox daily, and in those show notes, you can find a link to the live stream of the show so you can see things like the uh i don't know look at the pumpkin that i carved that i had back here a minute ago put it on the ground it was get pumpkin juice on my desk that's no good luckily you cannot see the pumpkin juice on my desk anymore on the live video stream i managed to uh, to take care of that during the last break half past the hour here's anna mitchell with news Good morning. It'll be back to work soon for United Auto Workers members. This after the union reached a tentative deal yesterday with GM, which puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The new deal includes boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages down to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The Prime Minister of Israel says a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. Mark Mayfield has more. Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. 
He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Biden administration says it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday that a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas. He said U.S. officials are working with Israeli counterparts to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza. And so Israel says it's expanding the ground operation in Gaza as fighting between the two stretches past the three-week mark. More than 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. Over the weekend, talks between the two sides to free some of the more than 200 hostages held by Hamas reportedly stalled. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vatican News reports that representatives from more than 65 countries gathered in Malta over the weekend to talk about the plan for peace. Russia had not been invited. Cardinal Pietro Perlin sent a video message to the meeting saying, quote, it is a commendable effort, one worthy of support, not only because it is aimed at offering a concrete response to various types of damage caused by the war, but also because it encourages us not to consider armed confrontation as an unavoidable tool for resolving conflicts, end quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, praising their courage. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Addressing the group of 50 women accompanied by Don Luigi Ciotti, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement, reminding them that they are not alone in their struggles. He recalled that among Jesus' disciples there were also some women who, like men, were not perfect. They were women tested by life, sometimes infected by evil, and Jesus welcomed them with compassion and tenderness, said the Pope. With him, they walked the path of liberation. Pope Francis therefore advised the group to always keep a small gospel with them and imagine being with the Lord Jesus among the disciples. Indeed, the Pope said, this is exactly what happens. He walks with us every day on the road of life. His cross gives meaning to our crosses and his resurrection is a source of hope. Concluding, Pope Francis said he accompanies them with his prayers for them and their loved ones, especially their children. Don Luigi Ciotti founded Libera in 1995. The organization includes associations, unions and churches who have joined in an effort to challenge the power of corruption and organized crime while promoting social justice and human rights. I am Lisa Zingarini. Gas prices nationwide are falling, with experts predicting they'll fall even more in the next couple of weeks. The Energy Department says the average price of gas nationwide was down six cents in the past week, going to three forty-nine a gallon. The cost of crude oil dropping is being attributed as the main cause. Three states are under three dollars, with Georgia coming in the lowest at two ninety-five a gallon. California leads the country at 529. Yikes. 
It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this All Hallows Eve, Tuesday, October the 31st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be rather chilly for the trick-or-treaters tonight. Right now, it's rather cold with temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy and breezy today with some evening flurries possible and a high of 45 degrees. Tonight, cold and windy under mostly cloudy skies with an overnight low of 27. It'll be mostly clear tomorrow with a high of 47. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny with increasing clouds and a chance of snow by this evening, a high of 45. Mostly cloudy with snow tonight and an overnight low of 26. A few clouds tomorrow and a high around 43 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues on this All Hallows Eve. Tomorrow, of course, a holy day of obligation on the liturgical calendar. So check those mass times. Make the plan now. Some of you can go to the vigil this evening. Maybe you can go at one of the many times offered in your area tomorrow. Check those parish bulletins. Get it on the calendar. Steve Ray now joining us from CatholicConvert.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to be on EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa tomorrow evening. So just you got to tell him that. I say hello. I had dinner with him at the Catholic Radio Conference, and he is uh, he is nothing if not entertaining. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm looking forward to. I'll be with him in the afternoon, and then on his live show tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to talk about my book on Genesis. So very good. Of it. course, Father Mitch, a top flight uh, scripture scholar. So I bet that's going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, speaking of the Old Testament. Uh, we're going through the mysteries of the rosary, doing a series on them. We've gotten to the luminous mysteries, and uh, there's some Old Testament echoes in this first mystery of the baptism in the Jordan, because people are wondering about John the Baptist, who's doing all these baptisms, and uh, calling him uh, the Elijah who was to come. Jesus even tell, talks about him like that. So why is this Elijah imagery associated with John, who is baptizing in the River Jordan? These are wonderful mysteries. I'm glad that uh, Pope John Paul II added them to the rosary. And when 
Elijah was assumed into heaven in the fiery chariot. Everybody remembers that story. He was taken up into heaven at the very place along the Jordan River where John is baptizing now. And the last prophet in the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, says that at the end of when the before the great and awesome day of the Lord, Elijah will return to announce him and to prepare the way. Well, so they were kind of waiting for Elijah. John the Baptist is dressed the same way with a camel hair and leather belt. So he looks just like Elijah. He's preaching at the very place where Elijah was taken up. So the Pharisees came down and it says all of Jerusalem went down to see him. So when you pray this mystery, think of that. All of Jerusalem going 20 miles down to the lowest place on the face of the earth to see John the Baptist baptizing. He looks and sounds just like Elijah. And they, they look up and they said, you know what? John the Baptist, are you Elijah? He went up from here. Did you just come back down like Malachi said you're going to do? So they thought he was Elijah. And Jesus said, in case you want to know, he is the Elijah who is to come. He came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. So when you're thinking of this mystery while you're praying it, think of Elijah going up into heaven right at the place where John the Baptist is baptizing. You know, I, I can't help but but laugh. Um, about a month ago, Bear Grylls, the survivalist, uh, was in the Holy Land, and I think he's I think he has like an Anglican background. I'm not entirely sure, but he went and got baptized there in the Jordan River. And I started thinking about Bear Grylls. There, he he mentioned that his that John the Baptist was his hero. And I started thinking about it. I was like Bear Bear Grylls lives in the wilderness and eats bugs, like. I can see the connection here. I can see the connection here. <laughs> I ate a grasshopper once there. I said to people, John the Baptist ate grasshoppers. By the way, it was one of the clean foods. Look up Le- Leviticus 11.22 says that the Jews could eat grasshoppers, crickets, and locusts. So one day I said to the people while I was down there, if you find a, cr- a grasshopper, I'll eat it. And these four smart alecks found this big wiggly four-inch grasshopper, and they brought it to me. So what are you going to do? And I said, well, I love living the Bible in the Holy Land. So I chucked the grasshopper in, chewed him up, and swallowed him. My wife said, oh, stop. Steve, you, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> hey, uh, there, uh, a little bit of a nutty taste. Uh, kind of, uh, uh, yeah, it tasted like wet grass, actually. Well, let's talk about something that tastes a little bit better because we go on to the second uh, luminous mystery, the wedding at Cana. Uh, there are so many things that could be said here. Uh, it's often referred to as Jesus' first miracle, but that's not what John says about it, right? Right. John never uses the word miracle in his gospel. I have a book on this I wrote on John's gospel, and he only uses the word sign. What does a sign do? It points you to something. Like if there's an exit sign, it says, go this way to go out. What did the seven signs there are seven of them, which is the perfect number, the number of God and perfection. That's right there indicating also that he is pointing to the divinity of Christ. These seven signs point to the divinity of Christ. And there we have the six stone jars, which are only for the Jews. They're only for washing external things. And they're not for the whole world, only for the Jews. Jesus, when he's on the cross, he becomes the seventh jar because six is the imperfection. Seven makes his perfection. Jesus becomes the seventh jar. So in the beginning of the Gospel of John, you have the water in the water for cleansing in six stone jars. Jesus makes it even seven on the cross where the water comes from him. And now the water of cleansing is for the whole world and it cleans us on the inside out and not just external. So there are so many things about that wedding feast of Cana that we could talk about. You know, and also there's where Mary 
uh, said to Jesus to do a mir- to do the sign or the miracle, but she didn't talk to him. She just can't, she did, but she said, uh, they have no wine. That's the last thing she said to him. And then Jesus' mother, my hour has not yet come. I can't start my ministry yet because when I do, the clock starts ticking down to the cross. Are you sure you want me to do that first sign and start the clock ticking? And Mary doesn't even talk to him. She says to the servants, do whatever he says, and she walked away. And then Jesus did what his mother said. We sing the song, gentle woman. In a way, you got to say tough Jewish mother. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue the same way, though, Steve. Doesn't no, it doesn't. You're not right. as good of a lyric. Uh, but you know, I want to move on to this third mystery uh, as well. And this is one that whenever I talk to people and they have trouble kind of getting a visual for it, it's the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Um, and, yep. you know, I always go to the Sermon on the Mount. And I think this yes. is an interesting because you and I are talking through microphones and you know, speakers and computers and technology going to towers and stuff. But Jesus, in proclaiming the kingdom, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, would have used some of the things that his dad made as natural voice amplifiers, right? Right. You and I use the technology of the day radio waves. And now you look, go back there. This is where we pray that mystery. When we go on pilgrimages, we pray every mystery on location. And we pray this on the side of the mountain of Beatitudes. And one of the interesting things is he's speaking to probably 20,000 people. So how in the world did he do that without a microphone? Well, just like the ancient Greeks and Romans, they built their theaters on the water's edge so that the breeze would carry the voice up. I have been on the top of the Mount of Beatitudes at night, Matt, and been able to hear the fishermen out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee talking to each other, not even yelling, but talking. You can hear their voices because the breeze carries it right up the mountain. So I don't think Jesus went to the top of the mountain. It says he went up a high mountain, but I don't think he was at the top of it. He was at the lower part. Like if you go to an orchestra, the orchestra is in the orchestra pit and the people are sitting above. I think Jesus was on the mountain, but speaking up and the people were like in this theater-shaped uh, conclave area of that mountain, and he could speak, in the vo- and the breeze carried it up. So when you pray this mystery, the proclamation of the gospel, think of Jesus on the Mount of Beatitudes with the breeze behind him carrying it up so that 20,000 people can hear him. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, a fascinating thing. I mean, anybody who's been on a lake in the summer and heard somebody blaring country music like a mile and a half away across that lake, and you can hear it like they're next to you, understands that that audio principle. Uh, the institution right. of the Eucharist, uh, we've been saying so much about this with the Eucharistic revival, uh, but the one thing that I was pointing out in my OCIA class this week is that isn't it interesting that if you're reading the uh, the narratives of all the things that are eaten, there's one main food that would have been at every Passover meal that doesn't get mentioned in the Last Supper accounts, and that's the lamb. Right. And and also there's no priest. You have to have a priest that kills the lamb and then you have to cook the lamb and eat the meat of the lamb. That is the two essential elements of the Passover meal. And yet we hear neither one of those two being prepared in the upper room in Matthew, Mark, Luke. John doesn't do it. He he doesn't have the, the institution. So, But then I say in my talks on the Eucharist, wait a minute, there is a lamb in the upper room, isn't there? Well, yes, it's Jesus. He's the lamb. He's the Passover lamb that's being sacrificed here. Oh, and there's a priest too. <laughs> the priest is Jesus. He's both the priest and the lamb. And that's why he says, this is my body, because in the Passover meal, you have to eat the meat of the lamb. You can't get up and leave until you eat the meat of the lamb. And Jesus is saying, I am the lamb. This is my body. You have to eat this before we get up and go. It's just when you study the scriptures like this, especially in relation to the Old Testament, it's unbelievable how everything fits together so well and is so Catholic. 
Yeah. Well, I, you'll notice that I uh, skipped over the fourth mystery to get straight to number five. The fourth mystery is the Transfiguration, and we could do six hours on that one. <laughs> but, oh, easy. <laughs> but I encourage people to go to CatholicConvert.com and check out some of Steve's great resources as we continue to look at the mysteries of the rosary. Have fun with Father Mitch tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. All right. Chris McGregor joins us next with a great reading from the Office of Readings from St. Bernard of Clairvaux that points to the reality of the communion of saints ahead of All Saints Day tomorrow. It is 14 till. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe, and then present those to a skeptical world. This is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. 11 till. Here's Anna with headlines. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three Detroit automakers is ending with General Motors agreeing yesterday to a tentative contract agreement. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But meanwhile, the Israeli Prime Minister says a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, praising their courage. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. Happy All Hallows Eve. Thank you, and to you as well. And of course, All Hallows Eve indicates what is really important about today, not dressing up and getting candy, but remembering that tomorrow is a great 
great feast, a solemnity on the liturgical calendar. And so our selection for this week's office from the Office of Readings this week is for the solemnity of all saints. And of course, our boy, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, would be the saint chosen for this great feast. Yeah, I think he is second only to St. Augustine in the mm-hmm. Office of Readings, having many of his beautiful sermons that lead us into the depth of God's love, our prayer life. So many things to love about this doctor of the church, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So again, we just encourage people, don't we, to go to the Office of Readings. They're right there for you and join in what all of the church, the Holy Church in unity are praying and reflecting on, especially on this great holy day. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how he takes us right to the heart of the matter of why we celebrate a feast like this of all the saints, because as he points out at the very beginning here, like, what do the saints care if we're partying (laughs) here on earth about it? They're up in Mm -hmm. heaven really enjoying their communion with the Lord. And yet there's so much more to this feast than than simply just celebrating the fact that they are there, although that is a big part of it. Yeah, he's he's saying it's not so much for them, but it's actually a good thing for us because mm-hmm. it brings them up into our memories, into our hearts, because it, when we venerate their their memories, he says we don't serve um, them. They're, they're, it's for us. I tell you, when I think of them, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. Yes. And that's what he's saying, that the saints inspire us. They arouse us our desire to be with them. They're that great great cloud of witnesses that are saying, join us, strive to be with us. Where? In heaven, in the the unity of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son and the great Trinity. It's just so glorious, isn't it? It is. And one thing that I I love about this reading is is sort of the progression that St. Bernard has here, because of course, for the Feast of All the Saints, I mean, we we often turn our attention to our favorite saints, the saints we know who are canonized, but we are in fact also celebrating saints who are unknown, uh, who have not been canonized by the church, are not on the liturgical calendar, but are saints in heaven nonetheless and and those would include, God willing, our our loved ones. And this is something, Chris, that has really stood out to me or has really affected me um, ever since the the death of, of my infant nephew um, a few months ago, uh, the prayer of commendation at his funeral, um, which, which prayed that with his death, that his parents would long for heaven all the more because they longed to be reunited with him. And that can be such that can be the first step for many of us in in longing all the more for heaven is to be reunited with our loved ones. That is that is that is so beautiful, Anna, because the thing is, our hearts are longing to be reunited with the ones we love because we want to be whole. Right. There's there's something that's missing because their presence is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be whole again in what? In their love. It's a union of love. Yeah. So what's what's that whole? We want to be, we grow in holiness. That's what, it, and when we are in heaven, we are once again made whole. 
completely satisfied with such joy and such longing that that's what our hearts should be striving for. You know, we often hear, and we hear this in um, St. Bernard too, that we we want to be uh, brought into the glory of God. He says it's okay to desire that, to be in his glory, not necessarily to make us a great saint. We want to be a great saint so I can say, hey, uh, you know, I'm one of the greatest. (laughs) No, because by being a great saint, we're closer to God. Our hearts want to be so close to him. That's what, that's the greatness of our striving in this universal call to holiness. We want to get as close as we can. And the saints want to cheer us on because they know the joy and the yearning that uh, our, our, our hearts desire. Yeah, they yearn for us to be with them as well. And so we have, you know, our loved ones, those that that we knew, but then of course like I was saying before, oftentimes our minds on on an All Saints Day go to those canonized saints, those great saints. Like how cool would it be to hang out with Saint Bernard of Clairvaux? Like that should that should spur us on to greater holiness as well so we can go chat with him in heaven. I just want to hang out with Zelie Martin. I know. She's become such a great yes. friend of mine, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, Therese and Elizabeth of the Trinity, but also uh, Donna Beretta Mala and say oh, thank man. you. Thank yeah. you for being such a witness to life. So many others. I mean, I could, we, we probably could do this for hours. <laughs> just talk about all the saints we want to hang out with. Yep, That's absolutely. Right. But the thing is, you know, what he says to us, and it's very important, he takes a quick turn when he says, but we don't, we don't desire it. We don't even think about it. Tomorrow is the day to begin again. Or actually right now, right now. begin again. Start thinking about heaven and the saints today. Absolutely. And all of this then leads to our longing to be with our Lord, to be in communion with him in heaven, the ultimate aim of attaining that glory of heaven. A beautiful, beautiful reading from St. Bernard of Clairvaux in the Office of Readings for the Solemnity of All Saints. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to uh, get it all in your inbox. Chris, so good talking to you. Thank you so much. Stay warm today with your kiddos when you're out there. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Sacred Heart Radio family, asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. But the fact is it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that or find out more about underwriting, visit sacredheartradio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season. Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. 
Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Father Dan Schmittmeyer, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Continue on this All Hallows' Eve, Tuesday the 31st of October, by praying together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, O Lord, to the voice of your word. Your word descends from above to restore a fallen world. Transform us by the power of the cross, regardless of the cost. Your word cuts away all that is contrary to your will. Grant us the gift of obedience. Your word enslaves the enslavers' sin and death. Give us the courage to accept the gift of freedom. Your word brings joy to the sorrowful. Teach us compassion toward every human need. O God, you sent your word to conquer all the powers of sin and death. Make us true to your word, that our praise and our lives might give you delight. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start your Halloween and to get ready for tomorrow, All Saints Day, a feast of holy obligation. One of the biggest days on the year. I mean, other days you got a few saints here, a few saints there. Tomorrow you got all of the saints. It's pretty fun. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. We'll talk to Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who has lots of insight uh, above all the noise and chaos surrounding the Synod, he'll tell you some of the stuff that was actually going on and give you some sort of clear-headed and calm analysis of uh, what this phase in the process has looked like 
so far. Dr. Jared Stout will be along as well, also pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast. And then we get into the book of Judith with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, who helped put together the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament for, for Ascension Press. So it should be a fun hour. Please do stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says a ceasefire with Hamas would amount to surrender. Speaking to his nation yesterday, Netanyahu said he is committed to bringing hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas has purposefully put civilians in harm's way. His speech comes as Israeli forces expand air, sea and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary as calls for humanitarian aid and a ceasefire have been intensifying. From Vatican Radio, Sister Nina Benedicta Krapich reports. Celebrating Mass in the Marian Shrine of Adir Arafat, the Patriarch consecrated the Church, all humanity, the peoples of the Middle East, and especially the people of the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the Consecration Act, he invoked Mary's help amid the war gripping the Holy Land. He prayed that she might watch over those who suffer, flee from bombardments, or have lost family members in the war. We now knock on the door of your heart, he prayed. We are your beloved children. We are confident that in the most troubled moments of our history, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. Patriarch Pizzapalla prayed the Blessed Mother to guide world leaders and those who decide the destiny of nations so that they might decide according to justice and truth and work for the common good. We have run out of the wine of hope. Joy has fled. Fraternity has faded, he said. We have forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of peace. How greatly we need your maternal help. I'm Sister Nina Benedicta Krapic. The Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States has spoken, has spoken with the Foreign Minister of Iran. The Holy See released a statement saying Archbishop Paul Gallagher expressed, quote, the Holy See's serious concern about what is happening in Israel and Palestine, reiterating the absolute necessity to avoid escalating the conflict and to achieve a two-state solution for a stable and lasting peace in the Middle East, end quote. Meanwhile, U.S. forces in the Middle East have been attacked nearly two dozen times in the past two weeks. According to one senior defense official, the rocket and drone attacks targeted bases in Iraq and Syria. Most of those attacks were either unsuccessful or disrupted by the U.S. military. That said, some did manage to detonate, resulting in minor injuries to at least 21 troops. American officials believe Iranian-backed militants are driving those attacks. The United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. Mark Mayfield has the story. The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield. Coming up 
on 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Ooh, turn my mic down a little bit there. How about uh, some baseball news? The Rangers have taken a uh, two-to-one commanding series lead in the World Series after winning last night's game. Three-to-one after Corey Seager crushed a two-run homer to give Texas the early lead that they would hold on to. Game four is tonight. Rangers send out left-hander Andrew Haney to the mound. Arizona will counter with uh, Joe Mantiply, and it appears to be a bullpen game. For Arizona, that is a wild thing to. Uh, yeah. Game. Game four. four. Yep. Wow. So uh, wild. Only six teams in World Series history have come back from a three-one deficit. So paramount that Arizona wins tonight. Last night, Monday Night Football, Detroit Lions had no problems with the Las Vegas Raiders, twenty-six to fourteen. Jared Goff completed twenty-six of thirty-seven. Was. Uh, that was good enough for 272 yards. One touchdown, did throw a pick. Lions improved to 6-2 and two in the NFC North. Uh, well, just 6-2 and two in general, and they're in first place in the NFC North. Devontae Adams, that guy's a did superstar. Detroit is first in the NFC North? Yeah, they're 6-2. and two. They're, uh, wow. they're solid, solid wow. team. Devontae Otto Adams. Ricardo's super happy. Oh, gotta be. You know, his grandpa used to own the Lions. Well, I didn't I absolutely did not know that. That's yeah. uh, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. That's as neat as possible. They they're wearing their throwback uniforms, so maybe they're wearing the uniforms at uh, possible. Anywho, uh, Devonte Adams, he had one catch for eleven yards. He is a superstar there in Vegas. He mm-hmm. did not seem happy. And uh, just so you know, I guess the trade deadline is near four p.m. today. Ooh, the NFL trade already. deadline. So wow. we shall see. Bengals kind of in talk about maybe trying to get uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, some tight end help. So, okay. yeah, well, the more you know. So, the I, I don't know. Well, uh, if anything happens, I will break the news. Oh, nice. On driving home the faith, of course, Sweet. later. Sweet. And, of course, if anything happens here in the early morning. But, well, yeah. We doubt it. Doubt it. Let's get to, uh, what What do we get to now? Traffic. Traffic. And I got a lot of it. Oh, so boy. Traffic and a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway. In Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Yeah, quite a few accidents. We're going to start with uh, northbound 75. So there's an accident blocking the left lane at Galbraith, and there is also an accident blocking the left lane at Town. And all in all, you're going to be stacked up back to uh, the 74 interchange. That accident at Town... Um, actually has um, probably, I haven't looked at the video, but probably some emergency vehicles that are on the right lane or the right shoulder of southbound 75. And so uh, it's already slow in that area anyway. You're slowing back toward or back through the Lachlan split. Uh, Northbound 71, an accident on the right shoulder at Stewart, which has you backed up to Smith Edwards. Going southbound on 71, you're going to be slow from Kings Island all the way down to where that accident is at Stewart. Um, northbound 71, I guess it's technically 71, but it's just past Fort Washington Way. There's an accident on northbound 71 right around Redding blocking the center lane. So Fort Washington Way is stacked up. You're slow on northbound 471 from 275 on up to the river. Northbound 71, 75 slow 
from 275 up to the cut in the hill. Oh, and also an accident on the right shoulder of eastbound 275 at Hamilton Avenue that has you stacked up behind it to cold rain. All right, that was a lot of traffic. Hopefully things get cleared up a little bit by the time I uh, do my next report in about 10-ish minutes from now. Time to get to weather because that's what the kiddos all want to hear about. And you're going to be wearing a jacket or a coat over or perhaps under your costume tonight if you're going trick-or-treating. Partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with evening flurries, a snow shower possible, a high of 45 today. Cold and windy tonight under mostly cloudy skies with a low of 27, mostly clear tomorrow and high of 47. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny today, chance of a snow shower by late afternoon or evening and a high of 45. Mostly cloudy with snow tonight and an overnight low of 26. A few clouds tomorrow and high around 43 degrees. Today is Tuesday, October the 31st, All Hallows Eve. Enjoy trick-or-treating tonight if you're going trick-or-treating, but don't forget to make plans to get to Mass tomorrow on the Solemnity of All Saints, a holy day of obligation. It's 11 past. Dr. Matthew Bunsen is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Doc, welcome back. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And the 344 delegates, voting delegates, of the Synod on Synodality this weekend closed up shop for this year, uh, voting paragraph by paragraph on a report from their proceedings over the past few weeks. And I guess you could say this is going to become the working document for next year's assembly when they do this all over again in Rome. What would you say are the the most significant proposals that are going to be up for further discussion next October? Yeah, well, I think uh, you've made an important point that we always have to keep our eye on the fact that this is a document that is supposed to be the launching point for the next 11 months. Uh, we are likely to have another working document, the so-called Instrumentum Laboris, or the mm-hmm. blueprint uh, for the next uh, synod synodal gathering, probably in the late spring. That's important because then we need to focus on this document uh, for giving us clues as to what the deliberations actually were deliberating and uh, what was approved and in some ways what was not. And I say that because at the heart of this uh, are the votes and this is designed to get us somewhere, not necessarily to draw conclusions. I think that's one of the reasons why it had unanimous, uh, all of the paragraphs, I should say, were approved by pretty solid majorities, well over the two-thirds. But when we look at what is in here, I think the the biggest thing is a call for heightened lay participation in the life of the church, in particular women. Now, that does not mean uh, that this body endorsed somehow the proposals that were made during the synodal discussions for the ordination for women to the priesthood, and it even dodged in many ways the question of uh, the possibility of women deacons. And then we can get into these some of the proposed changes to the structure of how some things are done in the church, but one thing that is missing here in some ways is a massive proposal for a huge inversion of the pyramid in the life of the church in terms of her structure and hierarchy. You know, I'm kind of 
curious about all of this as I was I was thinking about how this document proposes um, a, a more significant role for the laity in the decision making of the church, although, as you say, not a complete inverted pyramid here. Is this what Vatican II was calling for in Lumen Gentium? I mean, are they trying to to bring about some, or would you say that they're trying to take Vatican II even a step further? I think that uh, as uh, we've heard now for a month uh, throughout this, uh, the invoking of the Second Vatican Council was a pretty common occurrence. Now, it's a matter of debate as to whether or not they were invoking it properly. There were some uses of Dei Verbum, for example, the Second Vatican Council's important document on Revelation, that I think several theologians uh, used somewhat controversially, I think mm-hmm. in particular of uh, the theologian Orman Rush in his presentation about a week ago. Having said that, I do believe that this is uh, very much an effort that we have seen with Pope Francis uh, to embrace, at least as far as they're concerned, the, the call of the Second Vatican Council for a much more engaged and active laity uh, in the life of the Church and for the leadership of the Church to listen more attentively uh, to the people of God. Left intact, I think, uh, is uh, the hierarchical structure, and that needs, we need to keep coming back to that. Uh, for example, the proposal that was uh, clearly in, in one of the drafts uh, to create a kind of permanent synodal council, similar ominously to what they had in Germany mm. being proposed by their own synodal path, was not accepted, was taken out of the final report. And instead, we're going to have a beefed up Council of Cardinals, which already exists, and which is very clearly only an advisory body for Pope Francis. Sure. Um, I found it interesting. We did get an actual definition of synodality. Can you talk about that? (laughs) Yes. Well, as you know, one of the huge questions uh, uh, coming into this uh, was, what does synodality even mean? And in this sense, uh, uh, the the synodal participants, we can't say council fathers or synodal fathers, there were 54 women women there, there, (laughs) actually took a stab at providing some sort of a comprehensive definition. And and very briefly, they said that it could be understood as the walk of Christians with Christ and towards the kingdom together with all humanity, mission-oriented, and then it uses some of the key phrases of listening, of discernment, of consensus building. What I found especially interesting here is that we have heard for several years this idea of synhodos, of journeying together. But there have been some criticisms, especially by some bishops and and theologians, uh, that it has to be more than that, and it is more than simply journeying together. It has to be the journeying together, or in this case, the walk of Christians with Christ. And to include that, I think, is essential really points to the dramatic amendments that were introduced. There were over 1,100 of them. Mm. Well, a lot of people were very concerned about the LGBT issues. So can you address that, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, very briefly, the the word LGBT, LGBTQ, does not appear in the final draft. Uh, It does talk about people who may be feeling isolated, and that is certainly an expression of of the need for pastoral care, which we find in respect, we find in the catechism. Uh, The question of gender identity and sexual orientation does find its way in the document, but under the heading uh, and is listed with various controversial issues that the Church needs to be taking up, 
but it does not make any dramatic proposals, for example, for the experimentation with same-sex blessings. So mm-hmm. I think this was the real result, I think, of the amendments that were introduced and the belief, the, the commitment to find a consensus that could get this document out the door Let's be realists that we have another year ahead of us, and I think uh, next year's is going to be much more potentially contentious. Uh, But in many ways, the ground has now been staked uh, for what's going to come. You have an article on the front page of the National Catholic Register with uh, the headline, Cardinal Mueller says, this is Cardinal Gerhardt Mueller, says Synod on Synodality is being used by some to prepare the church to accept false teaching. Thoughts on that, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, I think these are some of the concerns uh, that were raised uh, heading into the Senate. I think that there were very clear efforts. Uh, We know this from the daily briefings. We know this from uh, the draft document. We know this from uh, many of the things that Senate participants said, that there were genuine efforts uh, and demands for changes to the teachings of the Church in particular, we can look at uh, the calls for ordination of women, for example. Those were clearly not taken up, but I think it set off a series of counter-discussions, which in many ways was the goal of some of this, uh, the first weeks here, uh, this first session. I think Cardinal Mueller and many others are going to remain vigilant and potentially uh, aware of the potential risks Uh, that could come from this. We have seen this before with the Amazonian Synod, so let's stay very focused, too, that this is Francis's Synod. This is a topic that he chose, and he is very involved and very taken up with this topic. So at the end of the day, it will be Pope Francis being the one to decide what ultimately comes out of this. Well, stay tuned. Thank you so much, Dr. Matthew Bunsen. You can find EWTN News linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hit that subscribe button so that uh, we can send you the show notes every day in your email. 20 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We got traffic and weather coming up next. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at bridgetownfinermeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at bridgetownfinermeats.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug-tested, and background-checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies 
once temples of the Holy Spirit until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Still got an accident northbound 75 at Galbraith, blocking the left lane, which has you stacked up to 74. An accident on the shoulder of southbound 75, still trying to clear things up there. That uh, is at Town Street, and you're backed up toward uh, Sharon... Well, no, I'll say Glendale Milford. Southbound 71, still slow from Field Zertle down to the Norwood Lateral. Looks like there's a new accident on westbound 275, blocking the center lane at Loveland Madeira. You're backed up towards Ward Corner right now in northern Kentucky. Northbound 71, 75, and northbound 471, both slow from 275 up to the river. Now for weather, partly cloudy, breezy with evening flurries today in Cincinnati and a high of 45 degrees. Cold and windy tonight under mostly cloudy skies with a low of 27. Mostly clear tomorrow and a high of 47 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny with increasing clouds and a chance of a snow shower late afternoon or evening with a high today of 45 degrees. Mostly cloudy with snow tonight. And an overnight low of 26, a few clouds tomorrow, and a high of 43 degrees. Now please pray with me the Novena Prayer ahead of the November election, which is taking place one week from today when Ohio will vote on whether to enshrine abortion in our state constitution. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 24 past. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. 
Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, from Tan Books. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It is good to have you back. And we've talked for a few segments about what is really going on at the mass and talked about how truly in the liturgy we have an unveiling of heaven where where our time meets eternity which is really incredible of course but at the same time dr stout why is mass important for me well ultimately it's important for us because we need God. <laughs> we, need, we need him so much that he tells us that we need him more than we need bread. You know, give us this day our daily bread, right? We, we were talking before that that means a super substantial bread. Mm-hmm. Um, is that we do not live by bread alone. And so the mass ultimately is about God. It's not about us. You know, I think that's part of the reason why you know, people stop going to mass and like, uh, it's not really doing anything for me. <laughs> so it's, it's not about you. It's, it's about God, but God is our deepest need. You know, we are made for him. And we would be, I mean, it's, you sit there and you think like, okay, what we just talked about over these past couple of weeks in your last chapter about eternity entering time, like if only we could see it, Right. And, and you talk in this next chapter on, on praying the Mass about this need to have a sacramental vision. And, and so my question to you is, what is a sacramental vision and how does that help me better understand what's happening at the Mass and why it's so important for me? Well, when we were talking about the early church, you know, I mentioned that there was something called the Disciplina Arcana, mm-hmm. the arcane discipline where, you know, you, you couldn't come to Mass unless you were baptized, right? You had to be a catechumen to attend the, the beginning part of Mass, but to be there for the whole thing, you had to be baptized. The Mass doesn't really make sense apart from faith, right? You know, you see a bunch of people standing, sitting, kneeling, you hear a bunch of stuff that, you know, maybe immediately doesn't make a lot of sense, right? That the Mass is meant to be seen and understood through faith. Um, it, it, of course, is a, a great sacrament. The Eucharist is the greatest of the sacraments. So what are sacraments? An outward sign instituted by Jesus to give us grace. There's the, these outward signs that you see a symbol on the outside, a sign um, and that this sign is efficacious, the church says, the sign makes something happen. So a lot of times, you know, like Protestants would view the sacraments just as symbols, right? They just symbolize something else. But we view the sacraments as efficacious signs that they are symbols that actually make what they symbolize present to us. 
And so faith helps us to, to view things on a deeper level, that we can see the meaning of the signs, that we can see the realities that they communicate. I mean, a sacramental vision of reality ultimately sees everything as pointing beyond itself, like all of creation is a sacrament of, of God's life that he has made to point back to him, that human beings are sacraments of even our interior life of our souls, and that the moral life, our actions, that these things em embody the, the deeper longings that we have. Um, and that without this kind of sacramental vision, you go to mass and you only see what's on the surface. That's not very compelling. You know, <laughs> you look at that and you're like, why am I here? Right. You have to be able to see deeper to understand what God is really doing at the mass and how this really is an encounter with him. Well, not going to mass is certainly not going to help you obtain that sacramental vision, though. So I would imagine that a greater participation in the mass, you can you can pray for a greater sacramental vision. You know, sometimes I wonder, though, you know, it's just mm. like if, if we just try to push everybody into mass without the right disposition, does it do more harm than good? Mm. Right. Because they're there. They don't know why they're there. They don't understand what's happening. So it, it's a difficult thing. Right. So then and, how and that we do... have to understand that the sacraments need preparation. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it, there's a difficulty there. Yeah. Well, where well, then how? That's where the rub is, right? Dr. Stout, I mean, it's like, how does one then gain a sacramental vision or regain a sacramental vision if it's been lost? There's so many things to say to that. But in terms of inviting people to mass, I, I at least want to address that clearly. That sure. Sometimes it's better to invite them to something else. And one of the biggest problems that parishes have with evangelization is that there's no shallow entry point. Mm. You can come to Mass, but like I said, maybe that's not a good idea if you don't have the faith to understand what's going on there. Mm -hmm. um, you could go to RCIA, but then it's like now OCIA. But, you know, you don't want to do that unless you actually are interested in becoming Catholic most of the time. So where, where do you come, right? And that's where I say it's good to have like a weekly gathering in the home. You know, like maybe on the Lord's Day, invite people wow. over, talk about the faith, get them ready to go to Mass. If we're talking about kids, though, that's a whole nother matter. And I think the best way to prepare someone who is a believer to be able to enter into the sacramental reality of the Mass is by growing in a life of prayer. Because then um, through silent meditative prayer, we become more perceptive to the way that God works in the interior life. Uh, because ultimately the mass, the participation of the mass is not about standing, sitting, kneeling, and just, you know, singing a hymn, which is actually not even an essential part of the mass at all. You right. know, yeah. um, it is ultimately about uniting yourself to the actions of Christ. And this is an interior work. All the exterior things are there to facilitate the interior work, but you're not going to be able to enter the interior work unless you have a life of prayer. So that's what I would say would be the, the best way to attune our interior senses, right? And that includes the, the vision of faith. To attune these senses to God is through prayer. Absolutely. And can you also talk about how perhaps art could aid us. I mean, you talk about art a lot in in the book here, um, and specifically in in this chapter, um, 
uh, a painting by Raphael, which is so beautiful, which which could help aid in in having a greater sacramental vision. So when you come to mass, I mean, you are coming before the heavenly throne of God. And when you look in like Revelations chapters four and five, you see that the throne is surrounded by, you know, all the elders. That's the same word for priests, priests and angels. And, you know, you have all the prayers of the holy ones rising up like incense, all the the virgins, the martyrs, all, all, all the faithful of heaven. You are coming into that presence when you are at mass. And one of the things that I, I love about Raphael's disputation on the sacrament um, is that you see all these different layers, right? You know, you have yeah. God the Father, uh, and then you have, you know, the, the great saints of heaven surrounding the throne. And then you come down to like the level of the church, but, but you still see all, all these great saints of the ages kind of hashing it out, you know, like the, yeah. the teaching of the Eucharist and presenting that. And so there are these different layers, right, that, that we experience at the Mass. How do we understand the way that kind of our layer, right, our earthly reality, how that comes into contact with heaven? Well, a lot of times it is art. It reminds us that, you know, you look up at the tabernacle and, and it's very common to have angels flanking the tabernacle. I am joining in the, the hymns of the angels. Holy, 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 right? The angels sing that in heaven. We sing that at Mass. Glory to God in the highest. That's an angelic hymn, right, that the angels sing at the birth of Jesus. Um, and so the art helps us to know that we are in this heavenly presence. It helps us to see what can't be seen, right? That's the beauty of the kind of the sacramental use of art, right? Sacramental in a lowercase s is that it helps us to see what we know by faith. And so you know, you show up to Mass and you just see what's on the surface. The art helps us to know what's beyond the surface, right? To, to really understand you are entering into the heavenly realm. You are entering into God's presence. You are united with all the angels and saints. This is it. Or you, you see the crucifix. And you get a really beautiful, large crucifix helps to center our prayers to say, I'm uniting myself to the sacrifice that Jesus made of himself on the cross. It's very important for guiding us in prayer. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to close the conversation for today. We'll pick it up there next time. In the meantime, you can find How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jared Stout, appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. It is 36 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The Israeli prime minister says a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for Israel. Mark Mayfield has more. Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. U.S. forces in the Middle East have been attacked nearly two dozen times in the past two weeks. That, according to one senior defense official, 
The rocket and drone attacks targeted bases in Iraq and Syria. Most of those attacks were either unsuccessful or disrupted by the U.S. military. That said, some did manage to detonate, resulting in minor injuries to at least 21 troops. American officials believe Iranian-backed militants are driving the attacks. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vatican News reports that representatives from more than 65 countries gathered in Malta over the weekend to talk about the plan for peace. Russia had not been invited. Cardinal Pietro Perlin sent a video message to the meeting saying, quote, it is a commendable effort, one worthy of support, not only because it is aimed at offering a concrete response to various types of damage caused by the war, but also because it encourages us not to consider armed confrontation as an unavoidable tool for resolving conflicts. And the FDA is warning consumers not to use over-the-counter eye drop products from several major brands. The agency said there could be a risk of eye infections leading to vision loss or possible blindness. The brands include CVS Health, Rite Aid, Target Up and Up, Velocity Pharma, Leader, and Rugby. Yeesh. 8.38 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Scary stuff right there. I know, uh, right? Throw yeah. your eye drops away. I like how you, it's a throwaway uh, story, too, at the end. Just, oh, by the way, uh, yeah. yeah. Just away. Don't. You might don't. go blind. Yeah. Rainwater. Who knows? I think, I think that's a... <laughs> Far off risk, but nonetheless. All right, let's uh, breeze through uh, sports here. Detroit Lions winners on Monday Night Football 26-14 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that means Detroit improves to 6-2. and two. What universe am I living in? They are a top team in the NFC, and uh, Las Vegas drops to 3-5. and five. NFL trade deadline is coming to a close here as uh, any transaction, transactions involving players and picks must be completed by 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Tuesday. Game four of the World Series is set to take place tonight. Game three went to the Texas Rangers. Rangers picked up a 3-1 win over the Diamondbacks at Chase Field. Tonight, uh, Andrew Haney will pitch for the Rangers. He's a left-hander, and Arizona will counter with Southpaw Joe Mantiply in game four. Again, Texas leads that series two games to one. 20 till the top of the hour. Back with more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence on Erie Highway in Hamilton. 
roseautomotivegroup.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. I'm joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, a licensed counselor and former seminary professor who's been lending his expertise to these airwaves for quite some time, and we're very grateful for that. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. I'm grateful for all of you, too, so thanks for letting me be here. Well, speaking of you and you know helping people for a long time, I know that there are certain people who come to you and have come to you over the years who need help through a difficult season of life, but there are some people when it comes to certain mental and psychological and emotional difficulties, this can be like a lifelong struggle for them. So I wonder how we can maybe like think about those cases and those people uh, and those situations differently than we might think of someone who's going through a traumatic period in their life. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And this is the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. And in our segments this month, I've hit a couple of themes here. One is that we want to be careful not to call mental illness what's just about being a human being. So we lose people, we have adverse events, we have uh, upset, we have days when we have you know low mood, we're anxious, we're worried about things. Those are generally not mental illnesses in the way that, that we carefully define them. So probably 80% of people don't really have mental illness. But there's this 20%, and think about this, Matt, everybody who's listening knows someone who has a chronic physical condition that could be diabetes, arthritis, heart disease, uh, chronic pain, back problems. And so when I speak with uh, doctors uh, at our institution, you know, they don't, you know, I frequently ask, like, how many of your patients get cured of diabetes? And they usually just roll their eyes and say, you know, we don't really, that's not really the goal. Uh, that'd be great if it happens. It maybe happens sometimes. But really, it's about managing a chronic condition. And, you know, I think that's a helpful analogy here. So with, uh, we all have these bad life events, but generally best, we bounce back from them, even traumatic events. Uh, you know, which I deal with a lot, that people can have a very bad and disruptive, painful, violent episode, and they can get through it. You know, a couple months later, they're kind of back to normal. They're not going to forget about it. But then there are other conditions, a couple of them that jump out to me that I see a lot. You know, one would be um, the severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And so people go through, uh, just like with physical illnesses, they manage better for a time. The problem with all the medications that deal with those conditions is they have pretty bad side effects. Uh, the, one of the most common problems is that people stop treatment. Uh, they don't like the side effects of the medication, and so they discontinue and then they get worse. Or they're better for a period of time, but then they have episodes where they may wind up back in the hospital. Or, you know, with, with both of those. Or another one would be what we, you know, people call it clinical depression or major depression, which usually winds, people usually wind up in the hospital for that. So if they need medication, they're, they maybe have made a suicide attempt. But, you know, the majority of them can get better. So probably 70% of them can reduce those thoughts of suicide and not try to harm themselves again and, and function. But 40% of them that, you know, in some of the big studies still have difficulty with day-to-day -day living, just trying to get through the day. And then there are more 
prone if somebody's wound up in the hospital with a major depressive episode, there's a much higher risk they're going to have another episode like that as severe. And then in between times, they might have this kind of low-grade depression. So uh, and the final one, Matt, would be any of the substance abuse disorders, alcohol and drugs. Uh, so, you know, I deal with that quite a bit. And People, go, people can be trying to get sober and clean for years and have relapses. And with all these, Matt, I think on the outside, if we don't know somebody very well and, you know, maybe we, we, we can be judgmental. And so we can think they're just not trying hard enough. If they just tried hard enough, you know, someone who's morbidly obese and weighs 400 pounds, if they just tried to go on a diet, they could get rid of that. And that's yeah. just not the way it works. And, right? and this happens actually often uh, in a lot of uh, religious mm -hmm. circles. It certainly did in some of the evangelical circles I yeah. traveled in. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and to lesser and, and, and greater mm -hmm. degrees, especially when it comes to more of like the prosperity side of thing, which is you know sort of the farthest mm -hmm. extreme of it, which is just yeah. if you just had faith, all this stuff would go away. And then that person who has these struggles and temptations but has some sort of different neurological makeup, right? Or has some trauma mm -hmm. or horrible thing in their life that colors the way that they think. Suddenly they go through yep. their whole life thinking, well, maybe I'm not one of God's elect, <laughs> right? Or mm -hmm. maybe I'm not, mm -hmm. maybe I'm, you know, this is all a sign that God doesn't really love me or that I'm unlovable mm -hmm. or I'm unfixable or I'm, you know, yep. barely even human. I mean, there can be a lot of ways that people who mean well in a religious context can actually drive somebody further down into this stuff. That's right. And so that's where our faith comes in and our faith community in the church. If we see people who have very heavy uh, crosses that they bear because of ongoing uh, chronic uh, mental health issues. Uh, a lot of the people that I've seen, my clients who are in that category, use words like I'm defective, there's something really wrong with me, it's never going to get fixed, I'm permanently broken. And so faith, you know, can see this as a heavy cross. And one of my friends likes to say we borrow each other's courage. And I think that's one thing we can do for someone that's struggling with severe mental illness and their loved ones, their family, is to try to restore a sense of worth and dignity. As Bishop Sheen and his famous program used to say, life is worth living. So to say you still have a purpose, you're still worthwhile. And and I just understand how difficult this is for you. And I think in, in faith, you know, that we can encourage people who are mentally ill and have some very severe troubles to, to use the sacraments if they're Catholic. Uh, we have saints in our tradition, you know, a couple of them that, you know, I talk with a lot to people are St. Diphna, St. Benedict Labrea, and even in the Gospel, uh, Mark 5, that great story of the Gerasene demoniac, uh, where he's restored to his family. And I think there's a challenge for the rest of us in the church community that well, how would we react if this guy who was uh, cutting himself and breaking change and acting like a maniac and threatening people if he came back to the community and he wanted to be part of the community again. Well, that's a tough question, you know, if we were really honest with ourselves. And I think we can encourage family members to do the same thing, to use all the tools of our faith, but also to find a group like the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, which has chapters all around the country, uh, to get some support and get some education because they're carrying a heavy cross too. If you have a 35-year-old son who's got schizophrenia and goes through episodes and maybe is on disability and can't work and maybe has a co-occurring 
uh, substance abuse problem, that's a very heavy burden. And what are the parents supposed to do? You know, they love their child. They still see the dignity there. They need support. They need our prayers. And we can pray for all the people that struggle with these heavy crosses. Well, thanks so much, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast. Dr. Jeff Morrow joins us next. It's 11 till. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. He is one of the contributors to a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com or go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament to pick up your copy to continue in this Old Testament Bible study along with us. Dr. Morrow, welcome back. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And we are talking about the book of Judith today. So who is Judith? Tell us her story. Okay, so Judith is depicted as a faithful Israelite woman um, who loses her husband and shows she becomes a widow and mourns his loss. And the, the enemies of God come in and take over. And so she defends the people. Um, in a very kind of colorful way. So that's basically the, the basic plot of the story. Colorful way. I like how you put that. <laughs> uh, we'll get to one of those key events here uh, in just a second. But this is this is one book that, that Protestants don't have the pleasure of getting to read in their Bibles. Is that right? That is correct. Judith is one of the seven deuterocanonical texts that's not in most Protestant Bibles. And Luther, although he did not believe it was inspired by God, thought every Christian should read Judith. He really loved Judith. Yeah, well, it's a great story, that is for sure. But um, can you talk about the, I guess you could call them historical errors that we get in this book and what the church has had to say about them? Yeah, I wouldn't actually go, I wouldn't call them historical errors, but they're okay. very clear, they're very clear passages, in fact, most of it, that does not fit history very well, including biblical mm -hmm. history. In fact, so poorly does it fit that that nobody would have been confused. So this is where the question is, what is Judith? And so um, Protestant scholars will sometimes say it's just bad fiction. Hmm. But it's written for a Jewish audience that would know these histories. You know, so you have King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Assyrians. But everybody who knows the Bible, especially uh, Jewish before the time of Jesus, would know that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. 
technically speaking, for a very short time, he was actually known as Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians and the king of the Assyrians, because he, he took over the Assyrian Empire. He destroyed mm-hmm. them. But that's not enough to explain what's going on here, because the entire plot is after the exile, when the temple was rebuilt. And Nebuchadnezzar, the real Nebuchadnezzar is long dead. And everybody knows that. So anybody reading this text would already know this is not talking about the Nebuchadnezzar and the Assyrian. The question is, really, is this a parable of sorts that's trying to teach a moral lesson? Or or um, is this like a, a, a symbol system, almost like an allegory of a contemporary situation that's too dangerous and live to kind of identify the figures with the real figures? And I think um, both of those are real possibilities. It's just not quite clear. It'd be kind of like saying, you know, Osama bin Laden, the head of the Nazi Party. Or oh, in sure. the 80s when I grew up, right, uh, Adolf Hitler, the head of the Soviet Union. You're kind of like, well, wait, something's going on here. And I think that's more like what's going on in the text as we have it. Very, very interesting. So why don't you take us through uh, the narrative here? What sure. are the, the key events that we need to know from the Book of Judith? Well, the big, the big thing that's going on is it rewalks through salvation history. Whoever wrote this knows the Torah very well. They know the history of Israel, the people, the conquest of the land. And what they're doing is they're envisioning a figure, and here they'll say King Nebuchadnezzar, who was kind of the worst enemy of Old Testament Israel, as head of the Assyrians, kind of the worst empire of Old Testament Israel's time. And he's basically taking over the entire region. My own theory on this, we don't talk about this much in the book, uh, but my own tentative theory is this is probably dealing with the Greeks. This is probably dealing with Antiochus Epiphanes or something like that. They're stand-in figures, but we don't really know that. Because a lot of the places they're mentioning, we don't know if they ever existed. There's a lot of historical things, that we're just not sure what's going on here. And the key figure, Judith, whom the Church Fathers saw as a real historical figure, a saintly woman, is basically going to lead her people. So Nebuchadnezzar's general, Holofernes, comes into the region of Judea and takes the whole place over. They cut off the water, they cut off the food, and Israel, the remnant, is in a plight because they have their temple, the second temple that's rebuilt. Um, So this is at least during the Persian period, whenever this takes place, at the very minimum. And they're not sure what to do. So Judah says, well, I'm going to trick Nebuchadnezzar. And this, to me, this is the tricky part, is, is it's not the historical part, it's the moral question, which St. Thomas Aquinas will address in detail, because she kind of lies. She doesn't just deceive the king, she lies to him, which Aquinas would say, obviously, is, is sinful. And then she's able to save her people through that. And what St. Thomas Aquinas says is, she's not held out because of the deception. Rather, she's held forward as a model because of her fidelity to God and her being used by God to help the faithful people defeat the enemies. And so she fits into a typology here then. Yes, very much. In fact, so they often will read her as a new Mary. And I think the big, for me, when I, um, when I read this book, the, the biggest thing that I think of when I think of how she's praised and what happens later is uh, the wedding at Cana, to be quite honest, even though it doesn't seem at first glance they, they relate. It's that, you know, the wedding of Cana, uh, Our Lady instigates the miracle. She initiates it. And because of that great miracle that God steps in through her intervention, the disciples come to faith in our Lord through his first miracle. Something similar happened here. God uses Judith to defeat Holofernes, despite all the odds, and it brings the people to faith in God. 
Wow. And so you have even the Moabites and the Ammonites, they come to faith. Some of them come to faith in the one God through her actions. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. The wedding at Cana and the slicing off of the head of Holofernes. I love it, Dr. Morrow. You can read more about the book of Judith in A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. Ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament is where you can find it and linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Morrow, thank you. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Talk to you tomorrow on All Saints Day. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Support us from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. I'm Father Jacob Vergis from St. Peter and Paul, California, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream.